Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgin. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Yannick Cujo Virgil, and I'm very, very excited for our guest today. Today, we have a special guest that specializes in land investing for passive income. And so before we get into today's show, please, please, please leave a review. It really, really helps get high profile guests like the the one that we have today. And then also it really allows us to connect with you, our listeners, to provide more value on this platform. So today's guest is Mark Podolsky. Now armed with $3,000 gut-wrenching fear and absolutely no real estate experience, Mark bought his first few parcels of land in 2001. And so today Mark is the author of Dirt Rich, the ultimate guide to helping you build a passive income and also the owner of Frontier Properties, a very reputable, successful land investment company and has been buying and selling land full-time since 2001. By focusing on working smart, not hard, he has completed over 5,500 land deals with an average ROI of 300% on cash flips and over 1,000% on the deal he sells with finance and terms. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yannick, thanks so much for having me. So before we jump in, why don't you give our listeners a quick insight on your story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So if we rewind the tape to 2000, I was a miserable, micromanaged, 45-minute commute to work and back investment banker specializing in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups. And Yannick, it got so bad for me, I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that as a side hustle, he's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar. He's flipping them online and he's making a 300% return on his investment. And yeah, like I'm looking at companies all day long. And a great company, great, has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Average companies, 10%. I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So of course, I don't believe them. I've got $3,000 saved for car repairs. And I go to New Mexico with him to a tax deed auction. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy 10 half-acre parcels, an average price of $300 each. I flip them online and they all sell for an average price of $1,200 each, 300% it worked. So I took all that money, I went to another auction, this is in Arizona where I live, and there's no one in the room, it's 2,000. I'm buying up lots and acreage for nothing. I sell all that land and I made over $90,000 cash. So I go to my wife and she's pregnant at the time. I said, honey, I'm gonna quit my job and become a full-time land investor. And she said, absolutely not. So I said, okay, okay, okay. So it took me 18 months for the land investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit and I've been doing it full-time ever since and absolutely love it. <laughs> wow. That's an, that's a wonderful story. So 
I know that you have this term called solo economic dependency. Can you give us a little bit insight on like what that means specifically? Sure. So anyone that is working and they are completely dependent on their labor has solo economic dependency to earn money. So for example, anyone with a W-2 job, uh, a freelancer, a solopreneur, let's pick on people that have solved their money problems, but not their time problems. Doctors, lawyers, a dentist. So if the dentist's hands aren't in the patient's mouth, the dentist isn't generating any revenue. And so passive income is the escape to get out of solo economic dependency. Makes sense. I think that's the average American, right? Most people just work a nine to five, come home, watch Netflix, chill, hang out. But you just never know what might happen, right? A COVID might happen and now you have no job. Things happen in the, in the economy, you know, business owners make decisions and you're only one step away from a, someone else making a decision that impacts your total financial future. And I think that is also why I went full-time little over a year ago to, you know, grow our syndication business is that you really have to understand that when you're working for someone else, yes, you know, it's a consistent paycheck, but you know, you have to have, it would behoove you to have something else going on on the side. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone, right? It's not for, you know, everyone who can stomach the risk that comes with it, you know, the sleepless nights, all of the things that you have to do to be successful, but passive income can be supplemented with a W-2 job as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually think having a W-2 job is riskier than being an entrepreneur. And the, I think the big difference is certainty versus uncertainty. If you have a job, you've got certainty. Someone's going to tell you what to do, and you know this is how I have to do my job so I don't get fired. In exchange for doing these things, I get a paycheck. But you also are completely dependent then on that one stream of income that is very vulnerable to so many things outside of your control. And you all, I mean, you know, you read the newspaper every day and you sort of, I don't know if anybody reads newspapers, I'm aging myself, but you know, you, you read online and you say, oh, this company just laid off 10,000 workers. What do those people do? It's got to be traumatic where entrepreneurs have the uncertainty, but then in exchange for dealing with uncertainty, there is no ceiling on their income. There is no ceiling and there's no limits as far as the revenue streams that they can create. And so it's way less risky. I mean, I could have one revenue stream go away tomorrow. That's okay. I've got a whole bunch of others. I completely agree. Completely agree. So let's dive into your model behind raw land investing, right? Because a lot of people may not know what to look for when it comes to raw land. Everything on HGTV is telling folks, you know, flip this house or people are out there saying, go buy multifamily you know, give us a little bit more details behind how your firm or your company acquires raw land. You know, where do you guys look for it? How do you guys put it together? Kind of give us some some color behind that. Yeah, yeah. So let's just use you, Yannick, as a case study. So you live in Washington, D.C., correct? Correct. Or outside of D.C. So I'm going to assume that you own five acres of raw land where I live in Arizona, and you owe $200 in back taxes. So you're essentially advertising two important things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to the raw land. 
you're in DC or you're in Maryland, right? And the property is located in Arizona. Uh, number two, you're distressed financially in some weird way because when we don't pay for things like our property taxes, we don't value them in the same way. And as a result, the county treasurer keeps sending you notices saying, Yannick, if you don't pay your property taxes, you're going to lose that parcel to a tax deed or a tax lien investor. So all I'm going to do is look at the comparable sales on your five-acre parcel for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm going to take the lowest comparable sale. Let's say it's $10,000 and divide by four. And that's going to get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So I sent you an offer for $2,500. Now you accept it. Why? Because for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. Now in reality, three to 5% of people are going to accept my quote unquote top dollar offer. But now that you've accepted it, I have to go through due diligence or in-depth research. Number one, I have to confirm you still own the property. Number two, I have to confirm that back taxes are only $200. Number three, I have to make sure there's been no breaks in the chain of title. Number four, I have to make sure there's no liens or encumbrances. And so I have a property checklist and I can essentially outsource that to my team in Jamaica. They're connected to an American title company. And it costs about $11. If I was investing more than $5,000, I wouldn't take any title risk. I would close traditionally through an American title company. But while my team is doing the title report, they're also getting me the plat maps, the aerial maps. They're getting me the GIS map. We're getting pictures of the area. So I'm creating my marketing package at the same time I'm doing my due diligence. Now, once everything checks out, I send you a check for $2,500, or in this case, I might send you a check for $2,300, $200 to the treasurer. I own it free and clear. And now, Yannick, I'm going to sell this property 30 days or less and make it cash flow like a rental home. So I have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who it is? The neighbors next door. The neighbors. You got it. <laughs> exactly. The neighbors. So I'm going to send out neighbor letters saying, hey, Here's your opportunity to protect your privacy, protect your views, know your neighbor. Now, if the neighbors pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. If my buyer's list passes, I'll go to a website you might have heard of. It's called Craigslist. It's the 15th most trafficked website in the United States. I'll go to one I know you've heard of called Meta or Facebook, the buy-sell groups in the marketplace. And then I'll go to the lands, landmoto.com, landsofamerica.com, landandfarm.com landflip.com, landhub.com. These are platforms where people buy and sell raw land. But the secret is my pricing. So all I'm going to ask for is a $2,500 down payment. And then I'm making a car payment. Let's say $284 a month and 9% interest for the next 84 months. So I get this one-time sale. I get my money out on the down payment, but I could go six to 10 months out. And then I'm getting... 284 a month and 9% interest for the next 84 months. Yannick, no renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act, all this onerous real estate legislation. And then it's a simple game. Can I create enough land notes where my passive income then exceeds my fixed expenses and I'm working because I want to not because I have to. 
Wow, there's so much to unpack there. So let's let's start with the acquisition side, right? When you're putting out offers on different properties that are that have some sort of uh, tax lien on them, you know that you mentioned that you look for the bottom of the the four comps that are you know the lowest comp that's that's in the set that is kind of tied to the property. When you put that offer out, that seems to be a very very low offer. You're saying that not many people accept the the so if you. I think your example was ten thousand, and then um, it was uh, the three hundred percent, you know, rule backed into that. So essentially, it's twenty five hundred, right? Because that seems like a very, very low, low offer. You seem like a lot of pushback. Like, what's the motivation for for a seller, I guess, to accept that offer? Right. So again, we're going to get a three to five percent response rate, and the reason we get such a high response rate is if I offered you twenty five three cents a dollar for everything in your garage that you're not using. <laughs> would you accept the offer? Yeah, I probably yeah, would. <laughs> absolutely. So it's the same thing for these landowners where the once was an asset is now become a liability and their dreams of doing something on that property have dwindled and it's no longer something they want to deal with anymore and they want to use that money for something else and they're tired of paying the property taxes. Yeah, I, I think that that makes total sense. And, and in fact, we're actually doing something similar in, in our backyard, which is Baltimore City, you know, where all of our properties are located, where we're acquiring some of these Ill, infill lots and really getting them at pennies on the dollar. And these properties can be multifamily developments, et cetera. But I think, you know, taking advantage, I think that's something that not a lot of people really pay attention to you make the money on a buy, right? And I always tell people that there's so many ways to make money in real estate. You really just have to find one that really falls with, into your niche and just go hit the green light and just run with it. A hundred percent. But you really hit the the nail on the head. We do make our money on the buy. A hundred percent. Hey, listen up. If you're an employee, business owner, or professional athlete with money in the bank, earning 0% return, and you're thinking about passively investing in real estate, well, you need to check out our ultimate syndication guide for passive investors. This free guide absolutely covers everything you need to know about passively investing in real estate syndication or just real estate in general. If you want access to this valuable resource, go to MerlinAcquisitions.com slash Passive Guide to download the free syndication guide for passive investors. That's M-E-R-L-Y-N-N Acquisitions.com slash Passive Guide or head over to the show notes and click the link to download. Now let's get back to the show. Let's fast forward to the creative financing piece, right? Because I imagine that has a lot to do with the passive income and you know, replacing that income from your W-2 job. So on the financing side, on the creative financing side, you're acquiring this land and then also taking it out to potential buyers or investors and structuring it in a way that secures your, uh, I guess, upfront down payment, which you paid for the land, plus you're essentially just being the bank. Exactly. So the way that we'll handle that and manage it is we'll use a software called geekpay.io. It's a set it and forget it payment system where they can make their down payment via credit card and then we're collecting the monthly payments via ACH or their checking account. And it's just automated. And it does all the notifications. It just helps you manage it. And it's just a phenomenal way of keeping track of 
you know, hopefully it will be hundreds of loans as you grow your land business. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that seems like such a seamless, you know, process, especially when it comes to payments, right? Because I think as owners, property owners, we always want to be paid on the first. And a lot of times, you know, the people kind of get, uh, make things too complicated from a payments perspective. But I think that seems like a very, very seamless process to not only acquire land at the, at a very, very low basis, uh, structure it in a way that allows you to become the bank and take those monthly payments over time, thus creating long-term wealth, cash flow, and, you know, making it seamless for your buyers as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if someone is looking to get started, you know, in this world of raw land investing, what do you recommend are the next three steps for someone who is maybe tired of flipping houses, tired of, you know, multifamily investing, looking for alternative asset classes, because you and I joked, you know, when we first, before we started recording was that the sexy HGTV stuff, I mean, you know, it, it gets old, right? When you're young, you're energetic, you're excited about real estate, you want to do all the hard work, but the real business is working smart and not working hard, right? So how can someone get started in this space? What are the next three steps that they can take? I think the first step is get educated. So one of the best ways is I've got the book Dirt Rich. Dirt Rich 2, How to Scale Your Land Business is also coming out very soon as well. But Dirt Rich is going to give you a really good overview of how to get started in the land business and provide those resources as well. I think that's the first step. The second step is then take action on what you've learned. And if you can smart cut it and get a mentor who's already done it, that's even better. So I think that's, those are the first really two good steps. Makes sense. And when you're doing due diligence on, on the land acquisitions, you know, are you, um, you know, maybe like testing the soil or doing anything from an in-depth perspective to kind of prevent yourself from making sure that you're not taking over something that you don't want to take over? Like, how can you mitigate your risks when someone is looking at these opportunities? Yeah. So, you know, coming from the East Coast, it's a really good question because you don't want to buy in an environmental impact site, right? You could actually be liable for millions of dollars of cleanup in a, in a Superfund site. So there is a website called epa.gov, which will show you all the Superfund sites. And so you certainly don't want to be looking at counties in that area. But really, when I'm thinking about markets, I'm thinking about areas that are going to be on the West Coast, Southwest, Northwest, Florida. I want to be in the Sunshine States. I mean, nothing against Maryland, but nobody wakes up and thinks to themselves, boy, I like some raw land in Maryland today, unless you live in Maryland. But, you know, Nevada and Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, Florida, California, Washington, Oregon, Texas, these are fast growing states. These are states that have a ton of inexpensive raw land. And these are places where people want to go and invest. So I would say start there as well. Makes sense. Makes sense. I think, you know, land in, in this area, <laughs> DC, Maryland is just too expensive anyway, right? So Right. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you'd definitely be paying a, a pretty penny when when you're trying to buy land in, in this area for sure. So Mark, you know, I've got to ask you this question. You've been in this business for a long time. This game is a marathon. You know, if there was something that you would look back at and say, man, you know, I wish I would have done this differently. 
you know, what is one thing that you think you would have done differently that would contribute to your success on the marathon that you've been? Yeah, I think if I had gotten a mentor earlier, I, I would have been way wealthier than I am today. And I just, you know, coming from that investment banking background, I built a better job for myself. And I thought that I was an entrepreneur. And it wasn't until I got a, a mentor that was like, Mark, you're, you're not an entrepreneur. Like you have no systems, you have no processes. You're doing everything yourself. You just feel like it's more free because you don't have to call an HR department if you get sick, right? But you're doing everything. And if something would happen to you, your family would be left in the lurch, essentially. So, And that took seven years of me doing everything on my own before I figured that out. So I, I would say that was a, a big one if I could look back and, and do it over again. I would, I would definitely have had a mentor. I think one of the things that you you mentioned that is very, very important is the infrastructure piece. I think is that's what you're alluding to, right? It's setting things up from a scalability perspective, setting the systems up and working on the business, but not working in the business, right? That's what separates entrepreneurs from people who are, you know, self-employed to the folks who are business owners and actually can get their time back. Because the thing is, you know, when you get into the real estate space, you know, more more than likely you're stepping from one job to another job, right? Um, everything is on you. You have to answer the phones. You have to answer to everyone. But until you are able to put the systems in place to have a team around you, structure things in a way that that allows you to step away, go on vacation and come back and things are still running 100%. I think at that point is when you can really call yourself a business owner instead of being self-employed. Yeah, 100%. So Mark, can you talk a little bit more about your book that where our listeners can really get a feel for what they can follow you uh, for and just uh, follow Land Geek and, and figure out how to get into this land investing game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can get the book, Dirt Rich. We're going to uh, have a link so that they can get it for free, just pay for the shipping. And then they can go to thelandgeek.com, thelandgeek.com, and start there and see if this model resonates with them. It's not going to resonate with everybody, but certainly you owe it to yourself and your family to see if this is the best passive income model. I think it is, but it may not be for you. Well, I tell you this, after this show, I'm definitely um, interested in getting into the world of land investing. So, Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. We talked about land investing, you know, your journey, your path into becoming a full-time entrepreneur, how our listeners can get into the, the world of raw land investing and ditching the HETV, you know, popular, you know, multifamily or fixing and flipping because the real investing is uh, mailbox money, right? And not having to work super, super hard, but still maintain the income that you can for your financial freedom. So thank you, Mark, for being a guest on our show. Thank you to all of our listeners out there for tuning in to another episode of the Mogul Marathon Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Let's take action. Be great. And remember that real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. So run your own race. Thanks again, Mark. Thanks, Yanni.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.